Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. We go now to the Rankins Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in the host on 94.5 ESPN Radio in Milwaukee from 6 to 8 p.m. Also anchors the Packers opening drive for Green Bay Packers pregame shows. Doug Russell joining us. Doug, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm doing great. My pleasure. How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing outstanding. Excited for championship weekend, of course, and with the Green Bay Packers heading to San Francisco, uh, a pretty epic showdown in the NFC. Obviously, a long history of uh, of pretty incredible games between these two franchises, but when you look at this particular matchup, San Francisco, obviously, that dominant defense, they are favored against the number and all that kind of stuff, but how can Green Bay go out there and maybe learn something from their worst loss of the season and turn it around this Sunday? I asked Aaron Jones that actually after the divisional game last Sunday against the uh, Seahawks. Actually, I asked Devontae Adams the same question as well, and they both said that you can just learn tendencies from it, but uh, you can learn from what the 49ers did, maybe with their cadence and, and some other things like that. But other than that, I mean, you're right. It was the Packers' worst performance of the year. It was probably San Francisco's best performance of the year. It was certainly their most dominant performance of the year. And the, the Packers quite frankly, you're going to have to do everything differently uh, from committing to the run, staying committed to the run, not getting frustrated when things go poorly. You can't turn the ball over. Uh, I wouldn't say that you should just burn the tape. I mean, there's two schools of thought. You either burn the tape or you learn from the tape. And I think the Packers, at least from what they have said, they don't want to burn the tape. They would rather just learn from the tape. And since that game, they've ripped off six straight wins. So I think their communication is a lot better. I do think that they learned a few things about that San Francisco game, but the 49ers present an incredible challenge for them. And the way I look at it is it's not supposed to be easy to go to the Super Bowl, and this isn't going to be an easy game for Green Bay, certainly. And I think the hope is that the Packers don't make it an easy game for San Francisco either. 
These last few years following the Packers, they have had a ton of talent, specifically, obviously, at the quarterback position with one of the greats in the game and Aaron Rodgers. But there was just such a level of disconnect, and it seems like there was just such a level of, of dysfunction as well. But this year, it seems like they have so much more harmony, especially the second half of the year with Matt LaFleur as the head coach. So both in just the dynamic of the team as well as the schematic elements of what they're doing on the field, how have you seen Green Bay evolve from the last couple of years to now this year, which has been one of their better years in the last few? Yeah, I'll take the, the second part of that question first as far as schematics. I think what you're seeing this year is a true commitment to the run. And, you know, you look at the games that the Packers have lost, and in all three of those games, they got away from the run. Uh, And they played really poorly in the month of November. They got pounded at Los Angeles against the Chargers, uh, a team that was certainly sub-500 this season. I know they had a good year a year ago, but the Chargers took it to them, and Green Bay got away from the run. And that's one of the reasons that they were never competitive in that game. And then in San Francisco, they got behind early, and the same thing happened. And Matt LaFleur has really been introspective about those two games, saying that schematically, when they did get away from the run, they kind of got away from what made them successful in the first half of the season. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Packers dominated the last five games of the regular season, because they didn't. Um, It was a one-score game against the Giants in that game right after the uh, game at San Francisco against the 49ers. They wound up pulling away in the end, and I thought that was a decent win for the Packers. But, you know, then their next game against the Redskins went right down to the last play, and the Packers had to field an onside kick and not fumble it away before they could, you know, go into the victory formation. Their game against the Bears the week after that ended on the on a two-yard line after a wild play from Mitch Trubisky. And then they, I, I thought, played a good game, maybe their best game of the regular season against Minnesota, but then they played Detroit again. And, and my favorite statistic from this season is the Packers played Detroit twice this season. Packers beat the Lions twice. They led cumulatively in both of those games by a combined zero seconds. Two last-second field goals where they trailed the <laughs> right. entire game is how they won those games. So right. they weren't dominant. But what they were able to do is, you know, they say good teams win close games, right? And the Packers have been able to win close games. I think they're a good team. We'll see exactly how good I think on Sunday. You know, it is interesting, though, on that point, because that has been something where people have sort of kept Green Bay at arm's length to some extent. And on one hand, if you're 14-3, and three, you're going to the NFC Championship game. you got Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. Usually you sit here and you're popping bottles of champagne talking about how great and wonderful this team is. But they haven't had that because, like you said, they haven't had the dominant performances that they've had. And they're going up against a team who they were dominated by earlier in the year. Is that, though, something that actually might be good? I mean, we know the the chip on the shoulder that Aaron Rodgers likes to either have or create and, and kind of, as he talked about, flying under the radar and that. Is that something that maybe the Packers can use to their advantage? I mean, it's worked for Aaron over the course of his career. I mean, he's played with a chip on his shoulder since he wasn't drafted by, ironically enough, the 49ers back in the 2005 NFL draft. Instead, it was Alex Smith, and Aaron Rodgers was sitting there until 24 where the Packers took him. So... Uh, that's something that's fueled his entire career, and, and he's downplayed it over the years, but he's full of crap. I mean, it's something that it, it, it's been um, on his mind, and I think it will be on his mind until the day that he gets his gold jacket in Canton. And maybe it'll still be on his mind after that. So it's something that has fueled his entire career, and it generally has been to the Packers' benefit. So I, I think that they can... Uh, use that underdog status to their advantage to a certain extent because it's something that they keep talking about. They keep talking about it publicly. They keep talking about it in the locker room after games. 
They keep talking about, well, nobody thought we could do this, or we went out and doing that. Nobody thought this, or nobody thought that. So it's certainly on their minds. And look, if you're a Packers fan, honestly, I think you've got to be thinking you're already playing with house money just to get to the NFC Championship game. But they also played with house money back in 2010 when they were the last team to get into the playoffs as the number six seed, and they wound up running the table and winning the Super Bowl. So uh, Mike Holmgren, years and years and years ago, used to preach just get to the tournament, just get to the tournament, just get to the tournament. Well, Packers are definitely in the tournament, and they've only got one game left to play before they get to the Super Bowl. Doug Russell joining us. He hosts the evening show on 94.5 ESPN in Milwaukee and also anchors the Packers' opening drive every game day. And when you talk about this team in this in this particular location and Aaron Rodgers' return to California and all of that, this, this isn't as you said, Matt LaFleur has committed so much to the run game, and, and Aaron Jones has been outstanding. That offensive line has been outstanding. How much does this, though, mean to Aaron Rodgers specifically to be back in California against that Niners team like you, uh, you, know, you, know, like you talked about before in this spot? Yeah, if you ask him, and it's just a way to get to the Super Bowl, but it's not. I mean, again, it's that, that chip on his shoulder that I was just talking about. That, right. That's what has fueled his entire career. And Every time he plays San Francisco, he wants to stick it to them. Now, it doesn't always work out that way, but that's always his goal. And he, he look, on game day, or not on game day, on draft day, I should say, back in 2005, he was asked, I think it was by Chris Mortensen, but I'm not 100% sure, but it was somebody on ESPN who asked him, how do you feel about the, the 49ers passing on you and drafting Alex Smith? And he said something to the effect of, I'm not as sorry as they're going to be that they didn't mm. draft me. And that's held true. Aaron, I've I've been around sports a long time, right? And I have never been around an athlete quite like Aaron Rodgers. I've never been around an athlete smarter than Aaron Rodgers. I've never been around an athlete who knows he's the smartest guy in the room more than Aaron Rodgers. Um, And I've never been around an athlete who has a thinner skin but can use it in a good way more than Aaron Rodgers. He's very sensitive. He holds grudges. Um, but again, that's one of the things that's turned him into a Hall of Fame quarterback. And if that you know lifts this Packers team into a second Super Bowl appearance and maybe a second Super Bowl uh, championship during the Aaron Rodgers era, I, I think he'll take that. I'm certain that uh, the Packers fans would take that as well. What is the window for that? Because to me, Aaron Rodgers, in terms of his talent and production, is an all-time great and he has the one Super Bowl ring, but a second one could be such a feather in his cap. What's the window, though, for him to win that second ring? Yeah, it's closing fast, right? Um, he's 36 years old. Uh, as I like to say, he's already playing with that gold jacket on his shoulders. He's already playing with a Boston Canton. But he hasn't had the same... He's not going to make the same throws at the age of 36 that he made at the age of 31, for example, when he won his second MVP award or when he was 20 eight years old and he won his first MVP award. He's just not that guy anymore. Um, He does still have guile. He does still have leadership ability. He still can make incredible throws. Just not the same incredible throws on the same consistent basis. He'll miss guys every now and then. But, look, Father Time is undefeated. And I I would say that if he doesn't win one this year, next year, or the year after that, it's it's not going to happen. And it's unfortunate for Aaron. I know he wants to play until he's 45. That's not going to happen. Aaron Rodgers is still playing at any level at the age of 40. I I think that, first of all, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's got maybe two or three years left in the NFL because I don't think he wants his skills so eroded that he's a shell of his former self. And, you know, he's staring his own football mortality in the face right now, so he knows that that 
that window is starting to close, and it's closing pretty rapidly. You know, it's obvious enough to talk about quarterbacks, and obviously when Aaron Rodgers is one of them, but both sides of the ball, the lines for the Green Bay Packers have improved uh, as much as I've seen in a team the last probably two seasons, and that is where this thing's going to get done, and they were, you know, overrun in the first game, particularly offensively, against this team, and we know how good the San Francisco defensive line is, but when you talk about that matchup in the trenches in really both directions, you feel like Green Bay really has a, a pretty good shot, as good a shot as anybody against the San Francisco team, right? I hope you're right. I don't know that you are. I hope you're right. <laughs> I mean, um, it is Bosa. I get that. Sure, you have the Forrest Buckner, but Vologa, I don't know, Lindsley, Bakhtiar, that's pretty good. Yeah, they're all right. You know, and Brian Vologa, who had to miss the, uh, the game against the Seahawks because he woke up with a bad case of the flu. Gerald Veld here uh, came out of retirement a few weeks ago to help bolster the Packers' offensive line. And he was fantastic last week against the Seahawks. So they have a little bit more depth than they've had uh, in recent years as well. Um, there's a lot of glue guys on this Packers team that don't get the headlines. I mean, a, a guy like Jamal Williams, I think, could be a thousand-yard rusher for another team in the NFL. Instead, um, he's content. He's a really cool guy to be around as well. He's just always relaxed. Ask him sometimes about the movie, the movie Frozen, and he'll go off on a two-minute diatribe about everything. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But he's one of those blue guys. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting cat. Um, but he's content being behind Aaron Jones and letting Aaron Jones get all of the headlines and, and all of the touchdowns and the glory that goes along with that. But the Packers wouldn't be where they are right now without Jamal Williams being maybe one of the best second fiddle type running backs in the NFL. They've got a whole team of these guys. So I, I and it's going to take all 47 guys to dress on Sunday as well. If they're going to beat the uh, 49ers, I don't think it's going to be an easy game for the Packers. I don't think it should be an easy game for the Packers. I'm not picking them to win the game, but uh, you know, as long as they can play to their best ability, they're going to give themselves a puncher's chance. And really, I think that's all I can ask. Doug, last thing for you here. We know that the fan base in Wisconsin and really nationwide for the Green Bay Packers is uh, is as substantial as it gets. But when you talk about that that state and, and that team that has had, obviously, their Super Bowl championship, but a lot of heartbreak since that time as well. How much does this game mean to the state of Wisconsin? I think that if nothing else, Packers fans in Wisconsin are pragmatic. Um, nobody picked them to go 13-3 and when the regular season began. Uh, First-year head coach in Matt LaFleur, there was a lot of question marks as to how he and Aaron are going to communicate. Turns out the answer to that question is pretty well. But I don't think that there are many Packers fans who have booked their tickets to Miami and gotten tattoos uh, about being the Super Bowl 54 champions just yet. Uh, I don't think there's that level of confidence. I, I think it means a lot, and, I, you know, if you ask me this question after the Packers, if they are able to win on Sunday night, if you ask me the same question on Monday, I think the state's going to go bananas. But I also think that the state is right now steeled for perhaps another disappointment because I don't think that there's the feeling that they're quite there yet and maybe they need another playmaker or two, one on offense, one on defense, and then they will be in a position to maybe go to Super Bowl 55. And, and that's kind of the feeling that I get talking to some of my listeners on, uh, on my show on ESPN in Milwaukee. Doug Russell, host on ESPN Milwaukee 94.5. Doug, where can people follow you on the social medias and listen to you? My Twitter handle is very difficult. It's at Doug Russell. (laughs) How did you get that? I mean, you had to write a letter to Twitter to get that one? That's pretty good. 
Yeah, it's an interesting story, actually, because there's a guy who uh, was squatting on it when I wanted it, uh, you know, for myself. Mm -hmm. It's not that uncommon a name. Right. He's just squatting on it, right? So I had something like Russell on Sports or something ridiculous like that, and I, I changed it once or twice, and I was never really happy with it. So I wrote the guy, and I said, hey, if you're not going to use this, can I just have my name for Twitter? And I didn't hear from him for a year and a half. And then I tweeted him again, and he wrote back this nasty note to me. He said, if you wanted it, you should have just asked me when, when you wanted it. And then 30 seconds later, he came back and said, oh, yeah, I guess you did. Yeah, here you go. You can know, go ahead and have it. So <laughs> that's how I got it. Well, good for you. So at Doug Russell <laughs> on Twitter, not even the Doug Russell, okay? Doug, nope. Just at Doug Russell on Twitter. Go check him out. Follow him. Does a great job there in ESPN Milwaukee. And for my part in it, I got a lot of family members listening to Doug uh, Russell in, uh, in in the great state in southeastern Wisconsin over there. So, Doug, we appreciate you being with us. Thanks so much. Anytime, guys. So happy to do it. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed, I do. So I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. There you go. Doug Russell. Joining us from ESPN Milwaukee talking NFC Championship game. Uh, for a guy who covers the Packers, he did not engender a ton of confidence into people who might be Packers fans about the chances that Green Bay has this weekend. Uh, not to, you know, glom on or, uh, you know, kick the horse while he's down or however you want to talk about it. But in the last 13 times that a team has lost in the regular season by tw- a 20 or more points, which Green Bay did to San Francisco, that then met the team that they lost by 20 or more points to in the postseason, they're 0-13 in the last 13. Wait, so the team that lost by 20 lost again? Lost again. That's right. Uh, Interesting. You don't lose, you know, it's one thing to lose close. It's another thing to get blown out, you know, and Green Bay got blown out. And yeah, I mean, like there's, I keep looking at this thing, trying to figure out what are the ways in which the uh, you know my mighty Green Bay Packers can come out of this thing with a win, and there, there are there are a number of ways, but there's more ways in which San Francisco comes out with a win uh, when when you when you really line it up and and look at what's there. I mean, this is the number two rushing team. Nobody's talking about it. Everybody wants to talk about you know Bosa and DeForest Buckner, and rightfully so. You should talk about them. They're terrifying, but. This is the number two rushing team in football right here. 100 and almost 50 yards a game. This is a team that is absolutely doing it the way you're supposed to do it, especially in the postseason. Everybody talks about defense and running, but nobody really does it does them both. And no one does them both to the level that 
the San Francisco 49ers have have found a way to do it, and they they feel like first of all they're built for the long haul. The other thing is they just look. I mean, they just look sterling against the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, a lot of this is just sort of eye test as much as anything. What do you do if Dalvin, like, God bless Aaron Jones, but if Dalvin Cook is rushing for 20 yards or whatever it is, how he, how is he supposed to get loose? You know, how, how's Aaron Jones going to get it done? I, I I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't see it in that respect. That said, um I think it's going to be, I do think it's actually going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a competitive game, and I think that the Green Bay Packers have a puncher's chance. But if San Francisco can avoid mistakes and just lean on Green Bay, you know, Green Bay kind of did to Seattle, and Seattle kind of did to Philadelphia what I think San Francisco could potentially do to Green Bay, and that is if you take it across the board, the gap in talent isn't as big as it was like Green Bay to Seattle, but it's still there. I think the talent is with the San Francisco 49ers, and I think ultimately they probably find a way to get this thing done. But I'm holding out hope. And by the way, speaking of Wisconsin, it's my Uncle Steve's birthday today over there in Racine, Wisconsin. So shout out Steve Brusco. Happy birthday to him. And then maybe that's the key that, 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 that the Packers need to victory. Also because, Coulter, we both know if we walk in Monday and Green Bay is not going to the Super Bowl, it's going to be a, a very ugly and emotional meeting that we're going to be having, having first thing on Monday morning. Don't remind me. Um, <laughs> for that alone, I might just go for the Packers. <laughs> well, yeah. if, you're, if your rooting is the thing that tips the apple cart in the favor of the Green Bay Packers, that's fine. You mentioned the, the Niners running game, and I think that you're correct. And first of all, the, it's not as if they're not getting as, uh, much, as much credit as they deserve, but it's, for, it's the way that they've done it. It's been a completely new and innovative way of running the football in the NFL. I mean, traditionally, I mean, for years and years, line up, hit people, Walter Payton running guys over, O.J. Simpson, Eric Dickerson running by guys, Barry Sanders juking guys out of their shoes. But now in the NFL, you got to feature back until you don't because all of these guys just burn out so fast. And any guy that gets 300-plus carries in a year, it seems like that's just the death sentence. You're going to be – your clock is ticking – at twice the speed. The moment you get 300 carries, we've seen it happen with guys like Ricky Williams and Jamal Lewis and Priest Holmes and Larry Johnson and all these guys that as soon as they get that big carry year, I mean, one of the only guys that could really survive it was Adrian Peterson. And even he now, it is almost mid-30s, has taken a step back too. But the Niners are doing it with two things that make them different than almost anybody else in the league. And I think that one of the two things is the fact that First of all, they play. They truly play four running backs when Mostert, Breida, Tevin Coleman are all healthy, and they. But the thing is, that wasn't even expected to be their their dudes. That Jarek McKinnon was supposed to be one of the right. dudes. They signed him to a big contract, and then he gets injured. He gets injured, yeah, and he yeah. misses the whole year. So th- those guys emerging it and stepping up is huge. But how about? Mike Pearson, Pearson over there doing it, and Joe Staley. Well, Joe Staley, Mike McGlinchey. I mean, yeah. they, they've they fortified their offensive line certainly through the draft. They've, they've used first round draft picks, especially. I mean, McGlinchey was a top ten pick, but they also have done it with a fullback that's not a traditional fullback, and they've also done it with a tight end who can also play wing and H and all sorts of things. And their offense has a so. Uh, their offense has so many college-like elements to it. 
even though Kyle Shanahan is an NFL guy from from the time he first even knew about football because of his dad, but they have zone blocking schemes, but all sorts of college like pre snap motions, and that's why Uzcheck is so valuable the fullback because he it's not just put his hand in the dirt in front of the running back and let him be the lead blocker mm-hmm. through the hole. They put him in motion. They use him to kick out the edge. They use Kid, George Kittle to kick out the edge a lot of times, too. And then the way that the running backs complement each other, I mean, Raheem Moster, Moster excuse me, he could it's have been... Raheem. A, Raheem Moster could have been a Olympic caliber track guy. I mean, he, he ran a 10-1 in the 100 yeah. when he was in high school. I mean, that's... That's crazy. It's crazy. And and so, the, but then Tevin Coleman is a little bit more of a, a bruising type back. Brita is certainly a, a physical type back. So they, they have ways to contrast it. And I, I just think it's been so smart to watch them play. I mean, I think that Shanahan, the, the offensive brilliance, it's so much easier to see with when Doug Peterson's RPO stuff took the league by storm or when Sean McVay's intricate, mechanism of an offense took the league by storm last year. Shanahan's not getting enough credit because it's not as sexy, but it, it, it to me, it's equally as innovative. Um, two tell new one is one of two ninety ESPN radio. The last thing I want to say here on the, the Niners, the thing that has been sort of, the Niners were not very good. They were, they were good last year. You could see them improving. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, but they were bad two years ago. They were only okay last year. And all of a sudden, here they are, and they look like they, you know, they're the favorites to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. And there's a level at which they're so young that I think that there's been a, a, a sort of bit of incredulity about whether this team is actually ready to do it. It's clear that they are actually ready to do it. But again, until you have, who, who, who knows? But this, the, I mean, the youth on this defense is, is unbelievable. And you go, well, what is this going to be for the next Five years or whatever in you know in San Francisco. Of course, you always do that, and then invariably things happen or whatever. But it's uh, uh, they're they're a very good football team. But I also think that Green Bay, for whatever it's worth, is is even better than what people give them credit for. Again, I I don't know that I'm picking them to win, but I'm just saying I think this is going to be a better. Uh, I think this this has a chance to be a really really good football game. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. Coulter, it was a night off for Montana Montana State in uh, basketball last night, but it was a night on for the Big Sky Conference at large. We mentioned in the uh, first hour, Eastern Washington, who's playing Montana State tomorrow, and Idaho, who's playing Montana tomorrow, played each other yesterday. Eastern Washington won that game in Cheney by three points, 78-75 Idaho, just a string of incredibly this close losses. Oh, was it in Moscow? Yep. Okay. 
they sign it. They they get it up a little differently here on the uh, on the deal. So okay, Idaho uh, in Moscow, but another very close loss. Yes, you're in your headphone in the mic. That's what happens there. Uh, 78-75. Weber State, they beat Idaho State 76-68. In a, to snap a three-game conference losing streak. Weber right. State was 1-4 and four before that win. And I, Idaho State, again, a team that has, has some really talented players that people don't know about because they've been transferred, but, but you know, it's Idaho State. I mean, let's talk about this situation just for one second. Okay. Idaho State, Idaho, and Portland State all have between 8 and 10 new players on their roster. That's crazy. I mean, we were sitting there at the Portland State game with Sal Nunu, the center, out. I looked at you, I said, dude, Portland State has no guys that Who I've ever this? seen play basketball right. before. They, they've never seen any of them play. Right. And, and that's crazy. And Idaho, they have a headliner in Trayvon Allen, certainly. And they have Scott Blakeney, who was uh, you know, in their top eight a year ago, but they don't have anybody else either. And I'm pretty sure that Ryan Looney, Idaho State head coach, I think he brought in 12 and, or maybe even 13 new guys. Right. Uh, Northern Colorado, uh, they keep going strong. A 71-52 convincing victory over Southern Utah. Zach State. Yep, yep, yep. That's, You're on fire the last three minutes. You know, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm already into my weekend, you know? And so, you know, radio guys, we phone it in, too. And also, it's hard to read letters all, you know, jumbled up. Sacramento's a long word, you know? <laughs> uh, so then Utah also lost to Northern Arizona 75-72 in a, uh, I guess, a quasi-rivalry game. Well, I mean, they, they have a football trophy that they've played for for more than 20 years, and they called the Battle of the Grand Canyon, so it's, uh, it's definitely a Three-point game. I believe that game was in Cedar City. Northern Colorado was also at home uh, in their 19 victory point victory over Sacramento State. And that win by Northern Colorado, uh, not not just that it was over Sacramento State, but but it, sort of the definitiveness with which they won is the biggest uh, you know win of the night. Kind of puts North, Northern Colorado into, I think, that spot of, of number two in the Big Sky Conference, not just in terms of, you know, they're, they're there as a matter of fact, as it comes to the standings. Right, but they also but have the only win over Montana. Right, but as you, uh, that's right. I mean, if, you were, right. if, if I was to do power rankings right now, I'd say Northern Colorado is number one because they have a win head-to-head over Montana. They have one less victory in the win column, but that's because they've played one less game. Yeah, but they also have a loss that Montana doesn't have to Portland State. Right. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, if you're talking about head-to-head or whatever. Anyway, point being, one, two, however you want to do it, right now Northern Colorado is the the other best team in the Big Sky Conference along with Montana. Again, very early, five or six games into this thing. But as we try and, for all the teams that are jumbled in there, the two teams that are not are the Grizzlies and the Bears. That's it. Certainly, and I think Eastern, we talked about the the impact of Montana State's game for Montana State against Eastern Washington. It's a huge game for Eastern Washington too because one of the biggest factors in league play in college hoops is handling high expectations. If you're the team that's expected to win the league, then a lot of times everybody's going to give you their best shot, especially in a league like this where the travel is so hard. So in other words... If you're playing Eastern Washington, especially on the front end of a road trip, you're playing in Cheney on a Thursday, mm-hmm. and then you have another game on Saturday, you're going to load up and try to beat that favorite team. Montana experienced this 
for the duration of the last two seasons. It'll be interesting to see if it shifts back to that as well. Travis DeCure has been begging for it. He, he said, we want the bullseye. We want people to be nervous. We want people to be scared of us. Right. I don't think I don't think people are scared of the Grizz yet. They might that might be coming, but Eastern Washington, you don't necessarily want the, the intangible dynamic of what's going to happen here is so interesting because Weber State has so much tradition and they have never really been bad under Randy Ray, but they are trending that way. Jarek Harding returned fully last night. He scored twenty eight points. That's huge. He's he's absolutely their best player and one of the best players in the league. But whenever you have the weight of tradition weighing on you and then you start to slip, Weber State, they can't really afford a rebuild because they've had so many winning seasons in a row. So you got to figure out a way to get it back on track. I mean, they're 6-11 and 11 overall. That's that's unheard of for Weber State. So that pressure starts to build. Eastern Washington, the favorite for the first time in a, a couple years after having lost in the title game two years in a row. And a lot of those guys are back. That's a lot of pressure. You're going to have the target on your back. Yeah. But then you have the two teams... In Montana, who has a distinct dynamic of they lost one of the greatest classes and senior senior classes in school history and one of the better classes in the history of the league just in terms of total wins. So I think people expected them to be down, and they're not. That, to me, is an advantage more than pressure, like Eastern Washington and Weber State are going through. Totally. And then Northern Colorado, they have the distinct factor of no one really identifying them as any sort of contender because they lost Jordan Davis but they absolutely are. Right. And so they have, and, and in terms of like the guy who's the leader who has the chip on his shoulder, Joe Radabaugh's had a chip on his shoulder since the day he walked in the league. I mean, look at his haircut. He, he's trying to make people notice him. The guy, and he, but he's, he's such a fearless competitor. I mean, that's the guy where he, more than any other guy in the league, I think that there's a bunch of guys who can take over the game with their offense. Like Harold Frey can go hit seven threes in a row. Jarek Harding can do his crazy energizer buzzy, but, Energizer Bunny thing where he's throwing the ball behind his head and, you know, Goran Dragic style bank shots off the glass and stuff. And Sai Pritchett can certainly take over a game too, but Jonah Radabaugh can take your will. He can take the will of the other team's best player every night. And that gives you such a huge advantage compared to almost everybody else in the league. So to me, Northern Colorado's the dark horse, even though, like you said, they're only a game back of Montana in the standings, and they, they had another big win last night. I mean, beating Sacramento State by 19, that in itself is impressive because of the possession count. I mean, Sac State has one of the slowest paces of play, and they're one of the best defensive teams in terms of scoring defense in the country. So how do you get out there and score 70 points? And it's, But it's also just so hard to beat them by 19. Yeah, yeah, right. Even when you just whip them, you beat them by 10 because of the way that the possessions go. Yeah, 19-point win is really like a 30-point win or something compared, you know, if you if you stretch it out over the number of possessions, you would have over another team uh, in a different, that ran at a different pace, no doubt. Well, tomorrow, back in action in uh, Missoula for the men and in Bozeman for the men as well for Montana and Montana State, Idaho and Eastern Washington coming to town respectively, the women on the road against those two teams as well, and uh, happy to have Big Sky Conference basketball uh back on in the state of Montana tomorrow. Quick break, come back. The most important thing that was said on the show this week, you'll hear what it was, and also, I don't talk too much about Titans Chiefs culture. Can the Tennessee Titans actually do this thing? I got to work for you. Yes, they can. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. 
And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. We spent a lot of time on Green Bay, San Francisco. I think that most folks are in this area are kind of keyed in more on that game than the other. That said, there's plenty of Chiefs fans in the state of Montana, and we even know a couple of Titans fans, too, wandering around the uh, the streets of this state. The Tennessee Titans are, of course, the surprise of this Final Four grouping, and yet they're... They're, they're not such a surprise to people who really followed the team closely. I mean, from the point that Ryan Tannehill took over, this team has been one of the absolute best teams. We talked about, Cole, the fact that statistically their defense is not outstanding. It's been, you know, 2025th even in the league in terms of the regular season. But I also think if you consider the eight ball that they were put behind, so to speak, by their offense, frankly, while Marcus Mariota was the quarterback, they were put in some really bad spots. But from the point that that Vrabel kind of changed quarterbacks and started to run the way that he wanted to, literally with uh, uh, the best running back in the game in terms of yardage, you end up with a team that is really two different teams. I mean, this is how transformative a quarterback can be who's doing it the way you kind of want it done. And the fact that Ryan Tannehill is the guy, kind of, I think some people are still not really believers about the Tennessee Titans. I am a believer. That said, I'm also a believer in the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, are you dagnab kidding me with, with, the, with the divisional round game and just what they are in general, Patrick Mahomes and that team? So, look, I'm, I'm not going to sit here again. I, I'm not going against convention or trying to go out on a limb. I'm not even trying to make a a devil's advocate type argument. Kansas City, I got winning this football game. But Tennessee is legitimately, whatever you think Tennessee is, they're better than that. Everybody listen, whatever you think, however good you think Tennessee is, they're better than that. I just don't think they're as good as Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, they have two of the best players in the league. In my opinion, I mean, guys that have been voted on the top 100 NFL top 100 list multiple years in a row. Taylor, yeah. Taylor Luan, their left tackle, and Jarrell Casey, their inside, their D, their three tech, their, their defensive tackle. And those guys are not household names, and they're they're outstanding players. That that's a start. I also think that Tannehill. I I there's a lot of guys that get that early hype in their careers and then they fizzle and it never really surprises me and a lot of times the hype is just kind of overblown and Mitch Trubisky's kind of one of those guys I've Tannehill's one of the only ones of those guys that I always liked I always thought Tannehill was really good 
when he's healthy. He's just never been able to really stay healthy, and he was also in a horrific situation in Miami. I, the thing, the best thing the, I can say for me about Ryan Tannehill is that to me, Ryan Tannehill has actually improved each and every year and season that I've seen him go. Not not even just statistically, but just sort of watching him play. You know that he can go and get it done. I I I am still. I like Ryan Tannehill. I don't love Ryan Tannehill. That said, what he is doing with this team, I mean, it's 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 the perfect fit, and he's clearly, I mean, a huge step up from Marcus Mariota. Now, now I guess that's the thing is that I'm not surprised by that at yeah. all. Yeah, I mean, I get Marcus Mariota is a nice guy. I've never thought Marcus Mariota was that good. Even when he won the Heisman Trophy, I thought he was a, a good operator of a system, but that's all he's ever really done. Yeah, I mean, he's he he has. He, I think he's shown what he is, and that is okay, but certainly not number two overall, by no means a franchise guy, and at his worst, actually, you know, not helpful to your football team winning. So, uh, Colts of this game, Kansas City, they're going, going off yeah. on Sunday. I mean, the, the atmosphere already at Arrowhead for the divisional round was crazy, and then when they had that comeback, uh, you know that it's going to be going on. Now, I don't know I don't know when the last time there has been an AFC Championship game in Arrowhead, if ever. It has, has to have been one, right? We can look this up and find out. But it's, uh, I mean, it, this might be the last game ever at Arrowhead because when they're all said and done, there may, may be nothing left standing in Kansas City for this Chiefs game. And I think that's a big deal as well. I I love watching the Chiefs play. I don't know any football fan, you know, rooting interest aside, who doesn't think it's just glorious to watch what they do offensively in the way they do it. I would love to see Kansas City in the Super Bowl. I didn't love it last Because I think week. it would be absolutely a blast, right? David hated it last week because his Texas, uh, well, we know what happened there. Anyway, so so we'll see. So I do have Kansas City winning this game, but I, I think this game, look, it could be a blowout. But I think it's more likely that this is actually going to be a competitive game and a one-score game also, especially the way Tennessee likes to sit on the football, suck the game out. Coulter, Didn't the Chiefs host the AFC Championship game last year? Yes. I'm pretty sure New England oh, last year won was, in was it Kansas in, City. Was it in the KC? I believe okay. that was the first AFC okay. Championship game. Okay. Had, so you got back-to-back. Oh, that's pretty good to go back-to-back with it. Hey, before the show's over, here's the most important thing that was said this week. Colter Jan- Janikar, who I have this right, had two points for Big Sky. The question accompanying this stat, how many points did you score, Colter, for the Big Sky Screaming Eagles? Are <laughs> filling it up? That's a hilarious question because I don't know if this is sad, impressive, both. I scored 27 varsity points in my career. I, I played, I, I suited up for probably close to... 45 varsity games. I started in, I think, 17 games my senior year. I was not good at basketball. There's no question. I made I made the basketball team. I was playing varsity early because of one reason and one reason alone. Because Brandon Bostic, who went on to play tight end at Montana State, who was a borderline NFL prospect before he blew his knee. I hope Bostic's listening. He's 6'5", 250, and they needed somebody that could guard him in practice. So they're like, okay, well, you're going to be like the 11th guy on the varsity. You're going to sit the bench. And then my senior year, we were awful. We only won four games. And... I remember I scored seven points against Helena Capital in one of our only breakthroughs. The, the highlight of the new uh, high school we basketball were getting, career. We were getting killed, but we were losing by probably <laughs> we were losing by probably thirty to Sentinel my senior year, and I hit a three in the corner at the end because everybody was like, "Shoot it, shoot it!" And I just I was like, "Whatever, no one's guarding me. Hit it, whatever." But no, I I, I scored fourteen of my twenty-seven points at the free throw line. I was our technical free throw shooter. It's great. That's oh. my claim to fame. Oh, I, I, I went fourteen of fourteen 
from the free throw line. Is that line, real? My senior, my senior year of high school, 14 to 14. Wow. That's all I got. Kendall yeah. Mann will 20, take a lesson. 27 points in 20 games, so you could say I was about a 1.2 points per game score. But uh, <laughs> as goodness. former Big Sky High School coach Aaron Arledge <laughs> would tell you, I set the best screen in school history. Coulter. So humiliating. <laughs> You had your best game ever against Helena Capital. We spoke with Eric Hayes today. He had his best game ever against UCLA in the tournament. Comparable. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 